outside. So it's like accidental activation of cascade. In that case, these growth factors can convert the activation of IAP, which can directly inhibit caspases which are activated. And as I told you earlier, once the caspases are activated, it's a point of no return. But it's not only what if one molecule of caspase 3 is activated, that does not mean it's the point of no return. It's the threshold of the activation of particular molecule is the signal. It's not a one molecule of caspase 3 activation is a signal for cells that, okay, cells are now going to commit the, to the data. Okay? But it's the threshold of the intensity. And that's where this IAP, inhibitor of apoptosis family of proteins, come into picture. Now, in human, this particular proteins they <coughs> belong to that called XIAP, X-linked inhibitor of apoptosis, and uh, all of this a different name of these proteins, okay, depending on this cell type from which they were discovered. But here, what is important is how they are related in terms of structure. And you see here, they have the BIR1 domain, okay, and BIR2 domain, and BIR3 domain. If you remember the uh, BCL2 family, they had BH1, BH2, BS3, and BH4 domain, and depending on those domain structure, the proteins were doing their function. So some were pro-eprotic, some were anti -eprotic. So here, all of this protein has, all of the BIR domain is a baculovirus inverted repeat domain. So this particular structure, this is kind of interesting, that why the human protein has something which is coming from the viruses. So if you think in terms of the evolution process, so some of those things were picked up during the process of evolution from viruses, from bacteria, and from other systems in order to assemble a system which can sustain by its own against those threats. And these are the <coughs> uh, uh, ring domain and these are different domains and here you see this caspase activation and recruitment domain so like this kind of car domain and if you remember the structure of caspase they also have CARD domain so on CARD domain various proteins can adopt and I am using the word modulate means change the activity of those proteins so it can either enhance the activity or it can uh, inhibit the activity so if IAPs are bound with uh, with the third domain of caspase 3, okay, it will prevent the activation of caspase 3. If some other protein is bound with the third domain, which allows the recruitment of other caspase, uh, then it will lead to the activation of caspase. And classical example if you want to make is like procaspases and uh, execution of caspases, like caspase 9 and caspase 3. Caspase 9 activates caspase 3. If the Card domain of caspase 3 is occupied by one of these proteins, then probably caspase 9 cannot dock on the card domain and prevent, uh, thereby it prevents the activation of caspase 3 by caspase 9. And now here is the IAP family that called as suppressor of apoptosis, and these are various ways by which those proteins can function, say. <coughs> This is one of the pathway, kinase pathway, which you know is always induced in response to the growth factor like EGF, epidermal growth factor. When EGF binds to the receptor, it activates the cascade of proteins, which leads to the activation of kinase, which leads to the activation of 
and they take seven that leads to the equation of June finite. And if you remember uh, those slides where cytochrome C release, which I showed you, some of the three or four slides where uh, I uh, proved that June kinase activation is proectotic in that particular system. But here you see when June kinase is activated, <coughs> now here this June kinase goes into the nucleus and it forms the heterodimer with June and FOS, which leads to the transcriptional activation of the protein. And here, this is another pathway like NF-kappa-B pathway. Have you uh, heard about this pathway? Okay, so you know about this pathway. And this pathway is called, again, it belongs to the step 3 familiar protein. And that leads to the activation of another set of proteins. And those proteins are the XIAPs, or I would say those IAP familiar proteins. And this uh, IAP familiar proteins can inhibit caspases, caspase 3 XIAP specifically has more affinity for caspase 3 and prevents the ectosis. So the importance of <coughs> all of this XIAP is at some stage you can use these proteins by upregulating those proteins you can prevent excessive ectosis. So the disease in which the excess ectosis is the cause of the disease then those proteins can be a useful tool to design therapeutic approach where by upregulating these proteins you can prevent the excessive death like neuronal death and in case of <coughs> neurotic degenerative disorders. And here it's the same thing, put it in a different way like growth factors. Again, this is another pathway called PI3 kinase AKD pathway and as you know that nutrient starvation is one of the signals where PI3 kinase pathway activation is regulated by nutrients and that leads to the signaling to the M4 pathway, mammalian target of rapamycin which regulates autophagy, the another way by which cells die spontaneously. And now uh, this calcium flux and taxol, taxol probably you might have heard about this. This is a chemotherapeutic agent which is being used for the treatment, some cancer uh, treatment. And that uh, leads to the increased being which blocks BCL2. And as you know, that BCL, when you have overexpression of BCL2, the chemotherapy doesn't work. So here, when you have overexpression of being, that will block BCL2, and that will lead to the MMT or MOMTF, that's mitochondrial membrane permeability alterations, and it can lead to the activation of cytochrome C and pathways. Now, in summary, what we learned so far, okay, so ectosis is genetically regulated form of cell death. Now, when we say genetically regulated means, what do we mean by genetically regulated? Any process, if we want to say it's genetically regulated, means what? Regulated by genes. So there is a component in the cell, okay? So it's not something which comes from nowhere. So cells, they have the genes which are activated or inactivated in response to the signal, and therefore it is called genetic. And nowadays probably if you read the literature, you'll find genes for everything, okay? Genes for thinking, genes for intelligence, genes for everything, okay? So probably everything is genetically regulated. Now, 
and uh, we saw the significance of ketosis, why it is important, it's important in the development, embryonic development, and uh, in the uh, pathological conditions like neurodegenerative diseases and in the cancer. So cancer is a result of the imbalance in the growth, means proliferation and ectosis. If ectosis goes down, cell proliferation, the surplus number of cells increases, and that's what we call cancer. Okay? So that's the other thing. And then, uh, as you know, that if we know the parts, how this all these molecules come together to regulate the process, then we can alter the pathway according to the need. Okay, if we want to prevent uh, cancer, then we can increase the pathway which leads to the cell death. And if you want to prevent the degeneration, then you can inhibit the ectosis by increasing BCL2 or modulating P53 pathway. Now, uh, there are many existing treatments such as NSAID and anti-cancer treatments act through ectosis. So, this is another thing that when we say that growth is defined as the balance between these two processes, so any agent which is used to treat the disease condition, then that can justify the involvement of uh, ectosis. Now, here, the new molecules, as and when new molecules are discovered, which play part in regulating or modulating ectosis, those molecules can be a good target for treatment strategy, and therefore, the everyday new and new targets are being discovered in different cell types. And that's the whole purpose. Now, how are we going to, we are going to have today the discussion about this paper, right? And I want some volunteers from you to one by one tell me why this paper is important for this particular topic, number one. Number two, what question it addresses and how those questions are addressed and do you think this I just took paper for reading in this class. How do you do paper discussion in the lectures? Typically discuss them on a figure by figure basis. Okay, so you want to do it that way? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah, then we discuss paper figure by figure, but first of all, you have to know why this group of investigators took up this study. Okay? If they had a dream and they just say, okay, tomorrow I'm going to go up to the lab and do this work. Is that the reason or there must be some precedence? Okay? Like the court cases. Okay? If lawyers they go and find out from the uh, previous cases that what is the precedence and how do I address this question using those precedents, and that's called, in research, it's called literature survey, okay? So, by doing literature survey, what you find out is what is known so far in the area in which you are working, and then you try to find out what are the questions, unanswered questions, and how do I tackle those questions, and then you design strategy, and then you carry out experiments, and then you see your results, okay? So, here, the title is Anchorminal BH4 domain of BCL2 is functional for 
heterodimerization with backs and inhibition of heterosis. So, this part I took it from the same paper, and now I'm going to take uh, it over here and give charge to you. <laughs> now, who wants to explain this part? This is kind of uh, a sense of the whole paper.
showing that BCL2 gets cleaved by caspase 3? And okay, we are here in the first lane, you can see BCL2 protein, okay? You see two fragments, one is the larger fragment and one is the smaller fragment, right? Now, why do they use IL2? I don't know that. Okay, so that's, that's important. That these cells are IL2 dependent, okay? So it, you don't provide them this interleukin growth factor. You're right, that is a growth factor, but if you use any cell line, it won't work. So you have to use a cell model which will answer your question. So you have to pick a cell line which is dependent on IL2 or EGF or anything you choose, okay? So here, when you don't provide this factor, then BCL2 is cleaved and cells undergo death. And when you increase the concentration of this factor, say 0 0.01 nanogram per mil, 0.1 and 1 nanogram per mil, in a dose-dependent way, prevents the cleavage of BCL2 protein. So in the first figure, they justify the statement what they made in that particular line. Okay. Now, what was the next one? Then, that was the first observation when and why it is important that sometimes people do research, they try to see the level of BCL. When I said I told you in the class, okay, that BCL2 level, protein level, if it is more, then its uh, cells are protected, okay. But if you see that the total BCL2 level on Western blood doesn't change, right? So that means you will conclude that okay, IL2 has no effect on BCL2. But if you observe that plot carefully and learn it carefully, then you see a small band over there. And sometimes people conclude, oh, this is probably non-specific band or something which is not relevant. But in this case, they made a careful observation that when IL2 is withdrawn, the VCL2 protein is not in intact form, so you see a small fragment. Now, in the course of analyzing deletion mutant of VCL2, which mimic the cleaved BCL2 fragment. Now, what they did next is that they had, they assumed that deletion mutant of BCL2, which they found in literature, that some of the uh, deletion mutant in uh, BCL2, they had a loss of the activity. So now, they saw the small fragment. Now, the first question is, where that fragment is coming from? Right? So, it should be coming, uh, if you take uh, BCL2 protein as a row, okay? Now, if you see two fragments, how can you get two fragments? Cutting on this side or that side, like the protein N-terminal side or C-terminal side, right? So, you see two fragments, that means protein is cleaved, okay? Either from the N-terminal or from C-terminal. How do you find out that? Because you saw that the from the literature that N-terminal part is BH4 domain which is involved in a process which, which responds to the cascade so you start looking at from the BH4 domain rather than the other. Okay? If you don't find anything then you go on the other side. But if it is cleaved from the middle then you will see two equal fragments. Right? But here you see uh, two different sides of the fragment. So you saw a very small fragment and on the FTS page you can uh, predict the molecular weight of that fragment and from the literature, you can assume that this probably is BH4 fragment. 
Okay, now here, this observation and taking the support from literature that BCL2 can be killed by caspases in the next panel, what you see is the proof of their thinking. That, okay, here from, uh, we saw the fragment and it's probably because of it is in response to electrotic signaling and now what can cleave this uh, BCL2 protein literature says probably caspases and you have to prove that and here they use I use the word caspases right that means not caspases only there are multiple caspases so they use in vitro different caspases and here it's like this okay you can see this fragment here when they use caspase inhibitors that fragment disappeared okay so here you are showing the proof of the concept that yes caspase inhibition of caspases can prevent the cleavage of bcl2 so bcl2 in the absence of interleukin 2 can be cleaved via caspases right now as i told you earlier that from the literature they knew that it's in the BH4 domain and uh, it's known that caspases can cleave the it's the cystinyl aspartate proteases, right? So it cleaves between cystine and aspartate. So they identified some of the sites where the cleavage might take place. And here they took the MITAC BCL2. And here they took the D31A, D34A, D36A. These sites were mutated now. As, as, this is aspartic acid to alanine. So, they, what? How did they do that? <coughs> that's, that's very important. If you <coughs> if you use sword instead of knife to cut the vegetable, it's important, right? So. Your outcome of the result okay, is very much dependent on what kind of methods you use. So here, anyone tell, can tell me what methods they use to do this experiment? Site-directed mutagenesis. Site-directed mutagenesis. Now what is it? So PCR, you design parameters that will change the D to an A if that's Okay, so you change the codon, right? So the uh, genetic codon which codes uh, for aspartic acid to alanine. So by changing one nucleotide, you can change the amino acid. So that's how they created this mutant BCL2 forms. And here, now you can see 2, 3, and 4. They used caspase uh, uh, 3, caspase 6, and caspase 7 inhibitors over uh, um, purified caspases over here. So now. They use BCL2 protein over here. And here, what is this? They incubated this protein with caspases. And you see all three caspases cleave this particular pile-type BCL2 protein. Pile-type means the normal protein which is expressed in this cell. And here, when they did change in this particular amino acid, we aspirate to alanine at 31 position, you see none of those caspases cleaved it. When they change this particular amino acid, none of those caspases could cleave that particular protein. However, this 36A okay, had a no effect. Now, 
from here, what was their conclusion? Okay, so that, that means those amino acids are critical for the ECL2 function, right? Or antiaprotic function. Now, if you go to the figure 2, now over there we have Y type ECL2. And you see the 31, 34, and that arrow indicates the cleavage site. And that's very close to BH4 domain. So if caspase is cleaved here, then this BH4 domain is eliminated. And that is the consensus site for the cleavage by caspase. CXXC. Okay. So now, and here this is the protein called BS and BCL2 where you have remove this portion, okay? First, they prove it by mutagenesis, that we change those single amino acids, the cleavage site is eliminated, and there won't be any cleavage, okay? So that's what they prove, that, and that protein cannot be cleaved by those three caspases. Now here, they took a practical approach to prove that point, that was in vitro, okay? And if you read the figure legend, it says it's in vitro experiment, okay? And how do they do that in vitro experiment? See, for me, this paper reading, the most important thing in paper reading is methods. Outcome, you already know that BCL2 binds with bags, okay? What's new in that? But how you can do it in the laboratory? So if any one of you are in future are going to go in the research, okay, then this kind of thing is going to be very important. So, methodology, most of the time, you, people don't read methods, okay? You can do that, but after working in the same area for 10, 15 years, okay, you can, you pretty much know from the title what they have done. By reading abstract, okay, you can write the whole paper, okay, without even looking at the figures, because you know pretty much the whole idea of the authors. But here, for you it's important and in, for that reason, in that panel, last panel, they did in vitro experiment where you can produce protein. You have to have BCL2 protein in a pure form, right? In order to incubate with the purified caspases. So they took purified caspases, they took uh, BCL2 protein which was purified and then they mixed it and then did uh, Western blood analysis to see whether cleavage occurs or not. Now here, they took another approach and they created a BCL2 protein which does not have this particular domain. And here, what is this activity? Caspase 3. Why you call it caspase 3 activity? Anybody else? Why this DEVDEA's activity is called caspase 3 activity? Caspase 3 has a typical cleavage size DEVD, these are the four amino acids in which it cleaves. So what they did here, they measured the cleavage and the way they did probably is that different matter. You take this tetrapeptide, link it with the fluorophore, either it's the fluorophore or chromophore. 
fluorophore means a one cleavage it gives out fluorescence which can be measured by spectrophotometer or fluorometer or it can be chromophore means it releases a molecule which gives color color does not literally mean color color means what color means wavelength v i v g i o r so they normally use d e v d p n a paranitro anilin or paranitro anilide and when caspase 3 is incubated with this substrate it cleaves at the aspartate side and releases paranitrophenol which is yellow in color which can be measured at 420 nanometer wavelength and that's uh, that's how you express that as the caspase 3 activity and here in the absence of yeah, bags of this cl2 if you take that as 100 percent now here when you have bags protein expressed your caspase 3 activity increases by about fourfold and when you have bcl when you have bypack bcl2 it decreases the caspase 3 activity but when you incubate the cells with uh, dilution or uh, with the dilution end the cells having uh, N-terminal uh, BS4 domain deleted by BCL2, it does not prevent the caspase 3 activity. So here, what it shows that this BH4 domain is required for the antiaprotic function. Now here, the same way, this is the caspase 3 because we call it as executional caspase. So this is the kind of terminal step to measure the activity and here eptotic cells now uh, you have to tell me what method they use to measure the eptotic cell that's it anyone i think it's written in, in here you can tell easily how did they do that says they counted so showing nuclear condensation and right so then you have to go to the fourth or fifth slide the hallmark of eptosis okay these slides are important because you are using the information okay which already exists to measure something so what are the hallmark of eptosis you can measure either dna fragmentation okay bleeding of nuclei nuclear condensation and how does the well, by uh, staining the DAPI how do you know the cells are dead, right? If I give you a bottle of DAPI and cells and some agent to kill the cells, okay, you throw DAPI on the cells, what do you expect to see? Separation. Hmm? equation. But why DAPI? Because it stains the nucleus. It stains DNA. DNA and nucleus. So can you use anything, ethylene bromide, it stains DNA? There are so many reagents which can stain DNA? These are the questions, right? So, when they use DAPI, then the next question, immediate question is why they use DAPI? Why they did not use ethylene bromide or HEX or anything else? So, the DAPI like intercalates between these DNA bases, okay? And when the DNA is condensed, okay, the fluorescence changes because the number of dye molecules localized in the area Okay, increases in the condensed DNA and that's, that's why it gives a lot of fluorescence and you can clearly see the condensation of DNA. 
what are, if you don't have Darby in the lab, what other methods you can use? Tunnel staining. What do you learn from tunnel staining? Um, I forget what is additive staining, but it stains for anthotic uh, indicators. So okay, you can use tunnel staining because it. Uh, Doesn't it pick up on uh, DNA fragments? That's right. It, uh, it uh, binds with the nicked DNA. That means the DNA which has got the cuts. Okay, so it labels the free end of the DNA. So you can use that, and then. Uh, as I told you, DNA fragmentation, right? I showed you DNA fragmentation in the slide. So DNA fragmentation, now you can use ELISA to measure DNA fragmentation because when in the terminal stages of apoptosis, DNA is chopped into small fragments. And as you know, that it's called the nucleosomal DNA fragmentation. So that those pieces of DNA are associated or bound on the histones. So, if you use the antibodies which can bind histone, so you take a plate, okay, which is coated with the antibody, which can bind with the histone, then you have antibody which can bind with the DNA, which is labeled with the flow of uh, enzyme, and then you add substrate, you see the color. And, that, and that's how you measure the amount of DNA which is fragmented okay, in the nuclear. So, you permeabilize the nuclear, get the fragments out, take it out, centrifuge them, put it in the plate, and then do ELISA, and you can measure quantitatively the number of fragments of DNA. So that's another method. Then, uh, like, as I told you, the cells are, uh, when cells are undergoing apoptosis, uh, they form the small membrane cells, right? And those membrane cells are recognized by the phagocytic cells. How do they recognize? If you leave your trash can outside, okay? Then how do the uh, companies which pick up the trash recognize your trash can? By color, right? They have specific color, red, blue, or whatever. So when cells undergo a uh, terminal stage of death where all the uh, components are packed into small vesicles, normal plasma membrane has phosphatidyl ethanol and phosphatidyl serine inside, in, inside of the leaflet, okay? But in the, aptotic, uh, in the process of aptosis, the membrane flips and those phospholipids are exposed outside. So those are the colors, okay? And phagocytic cells, they have receptor to find out or sense those fragments and then and now we can use that particular feature of apoptosis to quantify. So people use annexin-5 staining. So annexin-5 specifically binds to the phosphatidylserine molecule, okay? So now if you stain the cells, with the annexin-5 uh, antibody, then you annexin-5, then you know that wherever annexin-5 binds, those are the parts of the membrane where phosphatidylserine PS is exposed outside, and those cells are called dead cells. And you can use the facts, flow cytometry, to detect the fluorescence, and you can quantify the number of dead cells. So these are the various methods which can be used instead of using this only one method. So there are various methods. I'm telling you that because when you go to different laboratories, they use different methods. Okay. So it's not only this is the way to do it. Okay. There are, there are multiple ways in which you can do that. Now, what's next? Come guys, I need help from you. Now, we pretty much crystallize what they are trying to do. So. It's just 
matter of reconfirming all of those things. What did they do here? If you read the, uh, figure 3, figure religion, what is the figure religion? N terminal deletion of BCL2 and BC, BCL XL abrogates the ability to heterodimerize with B max. That, that statement should tell you what you need to do to justify that statement, right? So, what they need is the wild type BCL XL, wild type BCL2 because they want to study these two proteins and then they had this deletion of both. Now when you don't have this, what happens is BACS binding is altered, right? Now here, what is the purpose of showing this lot? And what is this flag? Flag tags and epitope tag for Western bonding. Um, you put it on your plasma and you transect your cells and you can use it to detect. Okay, so here you are introducing different methods. Okay, tagging the protein, number one, transfection of the plasmid into the cell. So you are introducing the method of transfection and then analysis by Western law. So that's important to me, okay, not this result, because you already know all these things from the slides, okay. So what is important is you are using three different methods to carry out the goal. Okay, so here in first when you say you created those deletions and you have flag type cells. So whether this plasmids express the protein which you really want to study or not. That's the first question, right? And here this shows that yes, it does express. And here this is the best because you are starting you want to see the best expression also. So you want to see that that also happens here. And now you have equal amount of bags in uh, all these conditions, okay? So, BCL2, it, it's possible that when you express this protein, it might alter the, uh, if it has some effect which is not known to you on bags, then you, you cannot conclude anything. So here, you make, uh, make sure that back expression is not altered and you have your proteins which are expressed. Now what you do is, you immunoprecipitate protein. So here they are introducing one more technique. Okay, what do you mean by immunoprecipitation? You have an antibody specific to the flag tag. Okay. And um, I don't know how they did it. Probably not with beads, but you can pull it down with magnetic beads. Um, maybe not in '99. And then um, you get the lysate, and you do a Western and blot or backs to see what the interactions okay. are. So essentially what is it? You are taking a hoop. It's like a fishing expedition. Okay? You are taking a hoop, okay? putting a bait. So your hoop is flagged. Okay? Your bait is BCL2 and you are trying to find out whether backs binds or not. So it's a fishing. Okay? You are trying to catch a backs which is a fish by using earthworm which is a BCL2 and hoop which is a flag. So it's simple as that. Okay? It's not complicated. But when you read it, sounds complicated, but immunoprecipitation is a simple like catching a fish. Okay? So you have a bait, you have a target, and you have a hook. So by doing uh, using this technique immunoprecipitation, you see 
on which particular page Bex feels binds. And here you can see the white back DCL XL. Okay. Here you have the Bex protein. And the white back BCL2, you have Bex protein bound to it. And none of these deletions, okay, they have. Now here you have a mock. What do you mean by mock? It's where you transfect the plasma that did not have your gene, just so the conditions would be the same. So you, you just want to find, make sure that there is no non-specific interactions or non-specific uh, outcome. Okay, so mock is just here you are using all the reagents except your uh, cell extract. Okay, and you are trying to show that it's not artifact. This is a real outcome. Okay, so from here, what you conclude is that number one, BCL XL and BCL two bind backs. Okay, but it requires the N-terminal BH4 domain. If you don't have N-terminal BH4 domain, the binding does not occur or interaction with the pattern. Okay. Now we are trying to dig this into it. So then you go deeper and see. Okay, let's take a look at the BH4 domain. What is there in the BH4 domain which is responsible for this particular phenomenon, the binding of the packs? And here, one, two, and three, okay. And four. These are the amino acids which are all one specific type of amino acids. What type of amino acids they are? It's a valine, tyrosine, tryptophan, okay, and acid serine. So this is kind of different. But this three has a unique characteristic. It's a hydrophobic amino acid. So and you know that protein-protein interaction, okay, depends on hydrophobicity and hydrophilicity. So what they try to do is let's change this to a residue which is hydrophilic, and they did that, and then again they were back to the same strategy, doing confirming the expression, okay, and then they did the IP, and what is the outcome? Master ability to bind the bags. Okay, so this V15E That's completely abrogated the ability of BCL2 to bind with the bags. And Y21D decreased it. This has no effect, and W3S also. So that means 1, 2, 3, and 4, I mean, this out of those 4, okay. This is very important residue for the interaction. So alpha halide is one of the BH4 domain of BCL2, and specifically the uh, valine 15 is very important for interaction. Now, this is nothing but when all of these things were done with the immunoprecipitation, that's called it in vitro stuff, right? So whatever happens in the test tube, the final proof of concept should be whether it happens in the cell or not. 
and then it goes to the whether it happens in the organism or in the animal model or not. So here is they think uh, they use those constructs and they check the apoptosis and here you know wax plus you see more apoptosis and when you have mild type BCL2 it decreases so it's protective BCL2 is protective when you have this two mutant okay the production is gone so that means again it reinforces the observation from the in vitro study that BCL2 binds the bags titrate bags and thereby prevent apoptosis and here is the proof of the concept and this is same thing done as I was telling you the DAPI okay you can see this this thing all this condensed nuclei normal nuclei is, is pretty large okay here you have condensed nuclei and here also you have a relatively large number of cells which has got condensed nuclei and uh, in that picture, you see a white, right? It's, here it's all blue, and here you see white and blue both. So, white means it's a overexposure. Okay, that means it it has too much of the fluorescence. And as I told you, the DAPI, okay, it's condensed into the when DNA is relaxed, the DAPI molecules are far apart from each other, and that's why it gives this kind of appearance. But when DNA is condensed, then uh, DAPI molecules are very close to each other and the fluorescence is intense and therefore you see this kind of sink, uh, staining and that will lead uh, or aid in identifying the dead cells. Okay, now... What is the question? Uh, what is the question they are trying to address here. This is the last figure. And mm -hmm. right. So who is going to help me on that? Be true, and 
you go and see some of the journals, and especially nowadays. Every year probably this substantial paper got retracted, okay? The groundbreaking research on the stem cell, reprogramming uh, of the stem cell, which made a big news and a big splash in the scientific community, that got retracted, okay? Sometimes people get so over jealous, oh, they want to be first in doing something, okay? And they try to cut the corner. Or they do not use the right appropriate tools, or they do not carefully evaluate data, and that, I am not saying that they did it purposely, okay? But sometimes when you are, you propose hypothesis, but hypothesis is there to test, not to prove, okay? But sometimes when you like your hypothesis so much, you don't want to see the holistic picture, okay? Even if it is in the background, you see, it's like gazing in the sky, okay? Try it in the evening. Think something, uh, something, okay, and when you have the cloud, clouds, and try to imagine the shape in your head, and you start seeing those shapes in the cloud. So, when you have hypothesis, try to test your hypothesis. Don't try to prove your hypothesis. And at the end of the process, when your hypothesis is not correct, okay, that means whatever you have done, that does not mean that whatever you have done is not meaningful. But it has some other meaning, and then you go after that. That's called exploration. So hypothesis-based research and exploratory research these are the two things. And in the last 15 years, many of the exploratory research has got ground-breaking discoveries rather than hypothetical research only. So both are necessary. You need to have hypothesis first to start with. But that's the board. But when you are Realize that this is this board is so small. You jump out and try to find something, some other way to get to the other side of the water or, or water body. Okay, so that's the whole purpose of this paper. Now, for the exam test, you have usually you have two questions, right? So, do you want one question from this paper? It's, to me. Exam is not something purely for the grade. It's just to test yourself, okay, how much you knew from this particular topic, okay. And for me, it's how much I could convey it to you, okay. So it's test for both of us. So I want you to frame a question and email it to me. And from those questions, this is very important responsibility. When you frame a question, you should know the answer, then only you can frame a question, right? Just like what I said in that first slide over here, okay, they frame the question and then based on the literature survey, they frame the question. So when you frame a question, okay, you pretty much know what the answer should be. Otherwise, you cannot give grades, right? So, do you want to do the exercise? Sure. <laughs> so we're going to design a question, email it to you, and then what? You just uh, send it, uh, email it to me, and then uh, I can pick the questions from there, and that's change it uh, a little bit, okay? And then that will be your good. 
uh, all of you pick together and decide two or three <laughs> same questions. Okay? <laughs> and it's, it's very simple. In the whole of this uh, process lecture, there are only two or three questions, right? Even if I try to squeeze my brain out, there cannot be more than three or four questions. And what are those questions? Ask about the uh, cleavage from pro, pro, pro caspase to caspase. Right, so then we can determine by which caspases are activated, right? So, that's very simple then. Caspase for ectosis. <laughs> I'm not really interested in caspase for ectosis because. When you drive from here to Nashville, okay, the highway 40 is not important. What is on which exit is more important, right? Okay, you have Taco Bell on this exit, you have gas station uh, which has got lower gas price on this exit, that is important. So, highway 40, I take from here to uh, 40 east, from here to uh, here, then I'm going to reach to Nashville. So, that's April. But, what are the in between exits and how? those exits are and how those things are put together, welcome center and everything. So, most important thing is the whole process, okay? Why it is important, okay? How it is assembled, how it is regulated, what regulates it, and why it is regulated, okay? So, those are the questions. So, three or four different things, if you remember, and you don't have to go into the details of everything, but you should know the fundamentals. Nobody is supposed to know that amino acid 34 or amino acid 61. Those are the nitty-gritty details. And as always say that they will be in detail. But for you, studying a process in the whole context of cell biology, that is not very important. Only thing is the overall goal of this lecture is to understand cell death and its importance and how it can be used in the treatment strategies in future. Okay? Any question? Do you want us to frame the question about hypotosis in general or about the paper? You can do, uh, frame it any way. See, for, uh, for example, if I were you and I'm looking at all the slides I see what is the most important uh, part of this process which I am really interested in or I understand better and I'll bring a question from that point of view. Are all of your questions going to come from our full questions or are you going to also come up with? Well, I think uh, there are 15 so I don't need any more. <laughs> <laughs> when do you have the question back? Maybe uh, as soon as possible. I don't know. When is the exam? December. 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 Okay. Yeah. So send it to me. And I have to send it to the coordinator a uh, couple of days earlier. In a couple of days. Okay. If you get a chance, I think for, for them you have to read all these things possible. Usually I like to do it. I want to ask one question from here. Okay. The way that I like to frame this question is design an experiment to prove that, that, that. Do you want that kind of question? Yeah.
assume from this paper, okay, you have only six figures. I can mix match, okay, things from there. You just have to provide a short description of the method to do an experiment. So if I say design an experiment to prove that C terminal of PCL2 does not bind with PCR max. Okay? So you have to design an experiment based on what you have seen here. So Hmm? <laughs> so we wouldn't have to pull any like outside methods in, we would just have to understand. No, whatever methods are here. Yeah. Oh, you don't have to pull out anything. Okay? Yeah. This is, and that's the reason I picked paper which is only only six figures. Okay? And some papers they have sixteen figures, but that's all Okay? And if you have any questions regarding this copy, and I'm not following it.